Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. We'll go down to verse 8. Matthew 13, beginning verse 1, it says, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat The whole multitude stood on the shore. He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. When he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth. Forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns. The thorns sprung up and choked them, but other fell into good ground, brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Enjoy studying the parables of our Lord, and as they are good teaching tools, I love to see how he taught. And, but they're often neglected, and sometimes they are uh, misused and misapplied, and all of that sort of thing. One thing to keep in mind there's nothing taught in a parable that is contradictory to the rest of Scripture. That's why we use many other references to understand the parable. So this morning, I'd like for us to consider the parable of the sower. As he brings it out here in Matthew chapter 13. I believe there are several things that were good for his hearers but also for us as well. Now, some of his parables are up for interpretation, and there is a lot of confusion. This one's a pretty easy one because... uh, If you go on down and keep reading in the in the text, verses eighteen through twenty-three, we find what he says here. Verse eighteen he says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon it with joy receiveth it. Yet hath 
he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. So we have the interpretation is given by our Lord Himself. So the first of all, we notice that the scope of the parable is the whole world. In fact, He confirms this a little bit, uh, a little bit further on in verse thirty-eight. He says, "The field is the world. The good seed are the children of." the kingdom but the tares are the children of the wicked one so so in 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 the parable of the tares he says the field is the world in this later parable he he confirms that this is the fact the lord's people in particular the lord's churches have been told to go out into all of the world and so while it may have seemed like a lot to his original hearers, we can look back and we can see. Indeed, we can look around us and through technology and 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 and, and the way that things have gone, the world doesn't seem as hard to reach as what it once was. But this is what he has told us to do in Matthew chapter 28. You can put your ribbon there in in Matthew 13. We'll probably be back there. But in Matthew chapter 28, Verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Not just some nations. Not just this nation, but all nations. Pretty hard for those 11 to imagine. But oh, beloved, it has spread. This gospel has spread from those 11 to countless numbers of people, churches, languages, nations all over the world. And the work continues on, even to this very day, in this present moment. 
Again, over in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus told them, he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The uttermost part of the earth. Places you cannot even dream about. Their minds would not have even imagined that some 2,000 years forward that here we would be in what would then have been some remote part of the world, some piece of swamp on the other side of the earth. But here we are. Here we are. What started from Jerusalem spread. And what spread from there continues to spread. We remember 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And so this parable of the sower, we see not only how how this has worked, but we also see how it's working. Even in our present day, as we witness to folks, as we talk to people, and as we are part to other works and other other missionaries, you know, we support missionary works, the small church does in other places. How do we do that? Through tithes and offerings. And we send support money over to other places. We support men like Peter Halliman as he just recently assisted in in, in the organizing of a new church in New Guinea. We saw that. We know that in Romania they are... They are printing and distributing materials and sowing the word across Europe and other countries. Brother Samaru and the work in, in, in Trinidad. We see those things in action. But as we see from this parable, not everyone who hears, 
Not everyone who gets the Word of God, not everyone who hears the Gospel message will believe. And we know that it's true, not only because the Word of God says so, but we've also seen it happen. In Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, Verses 13 and 14. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Matthew 24, first. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 14, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. If you back up just a little bit, and, uh, or go over to Mark chapter 16. Y'all pray for me. I'm having all sorts of trouble seeing, I guess. <laughs> Mark... Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. We're to take the gospel into all the world. That's the fact, and that's what the parable is teaching. This is what the commandment has been given. The seed is sown. The reality is that not everyone who hears will believe. And so then if you go to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. It was never the plan of God, nor was it to command for the Lord's people to, to get everyone saved. Now that would be in... That would be a, a, a fantastic thing to see, wouldn't it? And we all would love to see all of our friends and our family and our relatives and our neighbors and for everybody to be saved. But that's not the command. In fact, we find that it was only a few who had been chosen, a few who were saved. Matthew chapter 22. Verse 14. He says, many are called, but few are chosen. The gospel message is universal. It goes out to everybody. But not all men are saved. 
I believe that's one of the things that we get from this parable. The seeds are spread, but not everyone is saved. Look there again in our text in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 4. The sower went forth to sow, and it says, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. The fowls came and devoured them. Verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. The seeds that fell by the wayside attracted the birds who came along and ate them up. The ground here is not plowed. Tarred. Tarred ground. If you've ever done any gardening, you know, you know, what, you know what I'm talking about. You plow the ground and then you begin to spread the seeds. But off on the sides... Sometimes the seed will get over there, and the ground there is hard. Over there, it's barren or it has weeds. In this place, the seed doesn't take root. The birds come and they take away the seed. These are folks who hear the Word of God but whose hearts are hardened. Not only by nature, for all men are totally depraved, but also by a continued custom of sin. These are men and women who make no profession of being even religious. They're openly rebellious to God and His Word. Is in this area. Satan has full access. As soon as the word of God is sown, he snatches it away. Just like the birds will snatch away the seed that falls to the wayside. Mark it well. Keep this in your mind. The devil is friend to no man. He is not your friend. He is not friend to the world. He was never my friend. He surely does not want anybody to believe. And if, and if he could, he would snatch up the seed before anybody. Can get it before it would take root anywhere. In Second Corinthians chapter four, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 
Verse 3 and verse 4, he says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that's Satan, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So that old sinner, that old hardened sinner, hears the Word of God, and just as soon as it's preached, the Word is snatched away. Is there hope for the sinner like that? Well, absolutely there is. Absolutely there is. It takes the work of grace. God's grace has got to get in there and take care of him. But the way he stands and where he's at, unless God gets a hold of him, the fowls come, devour up that seed. Before it'll take root. That's what the parable's teaching. Don't be discouraged. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Because the seed will fall other places. And look there in Matthew chapter 13. Verses 5 and 6. Some fell upon stony places. Where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. Now what in the world is he talking about there? Well, verses 20 and 21. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy received it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by... He is offended. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 and verse 13. Parallel passage to this. Luke chapter 18 and ver- or Luke chapter 8, I'm sorry, verse 13. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. These have no root, which 
for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. Some seed fall into stony places, but the soil is not deep. Not deep enough, and so they do not grow. These are folks who profess salvation, but do not possess salvation. They, with their mouth, will say that they're saved, but in their heart, they don't. They're the ones who never saw the baseness and hardness of their sins. Perhaps they never repented of their sins. Or maybe they are trusting in something or someone other than Jesus Christ as their Savior. They seem to be somewhat moved by the Word of God. And they may even deceive God's people that they are genuinely saved. They show the outward works of religion, but no real inward change. They've not been born again. These are the folks who some people say are 18 inches from heaven, meaning that they have a head knowledge, but that's as far as it goes. They don't have the Lord in their heart. So close, and yet so far. Their faith is one of intellect, but not of the heart. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 19, James wrote to this, and he said, under inspiration of the Spirit, Thou believest that there is one God, Thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. You see. The devils believe that there is a God. They believe in Jesus Christ, but yet they are still devils, are they not? These stony ground hearers may leave gross acts of sin such as swearing, lying, drunkenness, but they don't hate those sins. Deep down they cherish them. And while sin may seem to be out of their conversation, it is not out of their affections. They are other creatures, but they are not new creatures. Second Corinthians chapter five. Second 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Changed in their lives, but not in their hearts, these stony ground believers. But, oh, beloved, the child of God is made new. And while the devil was snatching up seeds, the wayside he's also hard at work in that stony ground because let me tell you he has a heyday with this world convincing lost people that they're saved he'll have a heyday with saved people convincing them they're lost but but what joy he finds What joy he finds convincing lost people that they're saved. The Bible tells us to make our calling and election sure. Examine our lives and that sort of thing. What do we find happens to these to these stony ground believers? Well, it's one of the important things about the preservation and the perseverance of the saints. What happens to them? What happens to these folks? Well, when the sun comes up, <laughs> when the sun comes up, when, 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 when things become hard, as the Christian life does, and wait, wait, wait around for a little bit, wait around for a little bit. If you haven't experienced it, you will. Things are going to get tough. Things are going to get real tough. They had no root. They were scorched. They withered up. First sign of trouble, they can't stand the pressure. They wither and go. I'll give you an example. I'll give you I'll give you two examples just to consider the difference. Between a true believer and a make believer. Judas Iscariot, the make believer, and Peter, the true believer. They both went through great trial. Judas betrayed the Lord. And Peter denied the Lord. Study out 
the way that they handled it and the way that they, how one persevered and the other didn't. Okay? Persecution, temptation, trial, the heat of being a Christian comes. Sometimes it comes hard. Sometimes it will come hard and slow. Sometimes it will come hard and fast. But oh, beloved, sometimes it will be Persecution from the outside that comes on a church and the false professors will quit. I mean, look at what happened during COVID. In a lot of states, the government only suggested. They didn't mandate, they suggested that people not go to church. And what happened? People quit. And some of them ain't been back since. Why? Why? I believe the answer may be right here in Matthew chapter 13. What's going to happen if real persecution comes? What will happen if we come to church and there's a padlock on the door and it says, by order of the governor... You're not allowed to meet here. And oh, by the way, if you meet somewhere else, you'll be put in prison. What's going to happen then? How many people will really meet? How many people can handle even even the hard preaching, the powerful preaching of God's Word? But oftentimes, they'll skedaddle and go somewhere else to hear the tickling of the ears and that sort of thing. In Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21. Through 23, he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Many who appeared to be a saint on earth will wither at the great white throne judgment. How sad and tragic it is. And those, and thus we ought to pray earnestly for those among us who may be of stony ground hearers. So I think it's important to preach the gospel even in a, in a, in a crowd where Everybody professes to be saved because you never know. Somebody might not really know the Lord. I don't believe that we ought to 
you know, be like some churches, and that's all they ever preach. So the church never grows or learns anything more. They never know anything about the 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 the, the great doctrines of the scriptures and that sort of thing. But I think it, I think the gospel message does need to be preached, even in the church house. You go to a conference or something, preach the gospel, and some pastors will say, well, there's no need to preach that. Everybody here is saved. Well, not according to Matthew chapter 13. Occasionally, there may be some stony ground here. I mean, I can use the example, I believe. I mean, pretty much everybody knows it, but my own sister, she made a profession of faith when we were children, and then it wasn't until we were adults she realized she hadn't really been saved. Thankfully, thankfully she's made a profession. And from what I can tell, she's truly been saved now. But we think about those things and consider them. We know that in the first church, there was Judas and that sort of thing. But in Matthew chapter 13, verse 7, some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. I haven't only seen that in the garden before. I tell you what, I love to garden, but I, I hate weeds. It's part of the curse. But the Lord uses these illustrations that we all can relate to. Whether you've got a flower bed or a garden, you know what it's like. You plant the, you, you, you plant the garden, and it seems like the thorns come up quicker than what the flowers do, quicker than what the fruits do, quicker than what the vegetables do. And if you're not careful, the thorns will come and choke them out. Verse 22, what's he say about this? He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Some seed fell among the thorns, were choked out by them. These hearers hear the word, but then the cares of this world world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word. These are folks that don't seem to be saved or profess to be saved. Thorns cover the ground and overtake the land wherever they go. So it is with men's hearts. The cares of this world, the riches, things become priority. Over in Romans chapter 8, Verses 5, 6, and 7, he says, For they that are 
of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. First Timothy chapter 6. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some coveted after they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice that he doesn't say money is the root of all evil. <laughs> some people misquote that. It's okay to have money. It's okay to have riches. Just don't let money and riches have you. He says the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. Luke chapter 12. Beginning at verse 15. He said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. You see, that's the problem. So many people take thought about the future. They've got stuff laid up in banks and barns and 401ks and retirement funds and all of these things. But they forgot about the things of God. Perhaps they've even heard the Word of God, but it's all choked out because of their concern about financial things. Even Jesus taught about the rich man and Lazarus. Oh, beloved, the rich man was there with everything that he needed. And Lazarus was begging bread, crumbs from the rich man's table. And they both died. And in hell, the rich man lift up his eyes being in torments. 
But Lazarus was comforted. Rather be begging bread from the rich man's table, having all the riches of Christ, than to have all the riches of this world and to die and to beg for a drop of water in hell. You see? It is possible to be rich and to serve the Lord. But it is hard. There have been some men who have been able to do it. Job. Abraham. Others. But so many are like those who they're in the thorns. When we look at the parable of the sower, it's easy to get discouraged to think about this because, you know, throw up your hands and say, what's the use? Some of the seeds fell by the wayside. That didn't work out so well. Some of the seeds fell at the stony ground. That didn't work out so well. Some of the seed fell among the thorns. Well, that didn't work out so well either. So what's the use? But let me tell you, if you're a gardener, you know what the use is because there's there's a place. There's a place where the seed falls and grows. And beloved... If you've been saved by the grace of God, you know where that place is at. You've done experienced it. And oh, what joy it is to see what Matthew chapter 13 and verse 8 is talking about. Go with me there, please, in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 8. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Verse twenty three. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Other seed that has fallen into good ground brings forth fruit. These are those who are saved by the power of preaching and the Holy Spirit. The good ground is the tilled ground. This is the seed that is planted there, and the Holy Spirit works so that there are results. The gospel is not in word only, 
to these folks, but in power. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Sorry, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5. He says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in dunamis, in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake? That word power in Greek is dunamis. The same word that we get our word dynamite from. The seed that is sown. The power of God. God alone prepares the heart for, for the seed it's not our power. It's God's power. Using the illustration from the parable, understand something here. The good ground doesn't make itself good. The husbandman, the farmer, he must make the ground good. It's not us. It's not the hearer. It's God. It's God that does it. All the glory goes to Him in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. We'll begin in verse 4. He says, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath, wherein he hath made us Accepted in the beloved. You can get this all sorted out. Take time to meditate on it and get your theology straight. According as He hath chosen us in Him when? Before the foundation of the world.
to the praise, the glory of his grace. He hath made us accepted in the beloved. What's our duty? Our duty is to sow the seed. Paul probably had this parable in mind when he wrote to the church of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Who then is Paul? Verse 5 says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I've planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now watch this in verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Our job is to sow the seed, to water. But God gives the increase. We are laborers together with God. But the results are His. Don't be discouraged. Some of the seed falls by the wayside. Some of it falls to the stony ground. If Some of it gets choked up by the thorns. Don't worry about that. That's God's business. God will take care of that. Keep sowing the seed because some of it will fall and grow and bring forth fruit. This is the plan of God. Didn't Brother Ken bring some of that out very well in John chapter 15 while he was here? John chapter 15 and verse 16. Jesus said, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you ordained you. All the praise goes to our Lord. That ye should go and bring forth fruit. Your fruit should remain. 
And in the parable in Matthew, we find this truth that some of us need to get our minds wrapped around, and that is that not all of God's people will bring forth the same amount of fruit. That there are some who will just bring forth a little bit of fruit, but there are others who will bring forth a lot of fruit. But it's the mark of God's people that they will bring forth fruit. To the praise of our Lord. And so in conclusion, this parable. Our focus as God's people is to be obedient to the commandments of God. To do what we're supposed to do. And God is well pleased with faithfulness. No one is a failure as long as they're faithful doing what the Lord would have us to do. Success is not number isn't is not measured by numbers, but only by faithfulness. Sow the seed. Spread the word. Do what you can. God will bless in some way. May God be pleased with our, even our feeble efforts. But may we be faithful until that time comes when He'd call us home to be with Him.